0: The UDR Cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR Cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include but is not limited to the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR Cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for uncover, discover, and recover. My name is Bill Ward, and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are gonna discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at BillWard.life and send us a message in the info section, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time.
1: Okay, so in regards to what Bill's talking about, um, which is starting to sponsor people that are outside the rooms or trying to help these people outside the rooms, and so what you'll find a lot is a guy goes through naturally selfish and self centered his whole life, he's most comfortable talking about himself. And you'll notice this that individuals only have, a lot of individuals only have the ability to talk about themselves. Their thoughts are dominated by themselves, they are the alpha and the omega. It goes fairly deep, but as far as what you could tell is you have a conversation with somebody, very surface. They just kind of chat about themselves and there's really no end for you to, you know, they're not asking you, sure as fuck not asking you questions about yourself, right? So you see this in the rooms a lot where people will talk about the step and they'll individually talk about the step as it pertains to them only, their uh, experience and knowledge with the step and kind of where they are with the step today. But it's, the, it's so self-oriented that you have the ability to probably alienate half or more of the room, right? When these individuals speak of these things like that. And so in the first number of chapters, um, the A, Bs and Cs is written out in the original manuscript are designed to sell the alcoholic that he is one, right? So that logically follows that if you adopt the first number of chapters, and so we're talking all the way up until how it works, right? So we're talking the doctor's opinion, there's a solution, more about alcoholism, we agnostic. If you could adopt that more and more and match your own experience to that, then you'll be able to sell the alcoholic that you are an alcoholic and you no longer live that way of life, right? So that's like the basics of sponsorship and sharing is that the more you adhere your experience to the big book because it's designed to sell the alcoholic that he is one, in turn, you'll be able to sell this alcoholic that you are one, right? And then he'll be able to relate to almost anything you're saying. So if you take that a step further, if you start really cutting out a lot of the substance aspects and you're just chatting about the feeling or you're reading right from the big book, right? Like not not right from the big book, but pertaining When you start getting very good and you could go through all the chapters to the point the individual doesn't know you're going through the steps, that means that you could supersede all addictions. That means it doesn't matter if you're speaking at a podium, you know, in a GA meeting or whatever the fuck, like if it's gambling, sex, whatever, you're able to speak about that and be a kinder sufferer because you have transcended you in the conversation. So when you do this and adopt this more and more, the more you cut out self... Not only can you sponsor, let's say, the alcoholic, if you're predominantly in that fellowship, first step. Second step is being able to, you know, sell anybody that is in any fellowship. And then like the third step is society. Right? You've cut it, you've cut it out so much so that you could speak to somebody who doesn't even have an addiction at all, just from a spirituality standpoint. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about real growth. You know like i've always said true true th- this true program is exhibited in being able to take individuals from pick them from society and bring them to our fellowship mm-hmm. right and this is kind of what we're chatting about right and at first that's where it starts because it's all individual and they're still speaking from an individual standpoint and me 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 and me 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 and you could get people in that individual fellowship and you could work with them and then once you supersede that you could speak of any addiction and it doesn't really matter it's more adopting the spirituality than it is actually the substances the thoughts preceding the first drink or drug whatever you supersede all that and then when you get away from the drink or drug and you it's predominantly more spiritual malady and defective character which is for the second one too but uh for the third one it's it's more spirituality, defective character than it'll ever be any substance i want to talk about self
0: and You know I often talk about motive versus intention in our literature you know we talked about a little bit ago selfish self-centeredness is at the root of our troubles it is self but as people come into the program and we read through that step three stuff where it talks about the actor trying to run the show You know, selfish self-centeredness, being at the root of our problems, stepping on the toes of our fellows, they retaliate seemingly without provocation. Um, But we invariably find that sometime in the past we have made decisions based on self that later place us in a position to be hurt. That is almost invariably. Whenever I make a decision based on self, I almost always put myself in that position to be hurt. And today, I see it. There's a lot of addicts and alcoholics that make decisions based in self constantly that never fucking see self. And as I've collected the data I've collected over the years, I think, dude, that most people, even in the program, aren't able to step away from self and see self in most of their actions. And what ends up happening is they keep fighting the world. They keep running into the world's fucking me. And not a lot really changes in their life in certain aspects. Life's better because they're not drinking. They're not doing drugs. But they're not really able to see the depth of self. And and I think for me and for the people that I work with, it's it takes... It takes at least a year to two to three years to even fucking comprehend self. And that's if you're actually working like the real program based in in the book. Because if you just do your first set of steps and then just go on and go to meetings and maybe you're even sponsoring and shit, but most of these people don't understand self. And this is kind of reflected in other people's sponsorship kind of going back to step nine there's a lot of people that I've I've sponsored that have already been sponsored by people with two three four five years where I asked them okay how did your amends go last year with this sponsor who's been in the program five years well they got me to do my mom my sister my brother my ex-girlfriend all these people first that I never would have ever which just shows me A reflection of that sponsor that individual in the program doesn't understand the motive behind what their sponsee is fucking doing and if the sponsor doesn't understand motive what are we teaching the sponsee Mm. so what I've seen is people that actually focus in on this self and I think it has to do in large part with the step 10 personal inventory and really understanding that it's not step 10 on the wall about continuing to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, that's not what we're talking about at all because that will never expose self. That actually just promotes more selfishness, really, Mm. if you take the approach off the wall. But through the actual step 10 process, continuing to watch for, asking God for help, talking to someone immediately, I think is probably one of the biggest things Um, Making our amends quickly and then turning our thoughts to someone we can be of service to. That's where this all kind of comes to fruition. And I think in large part why we've had the success rates that we have with people staying sober and living good lives is because we've been able to highlight this step 10 stuff. The theory of six, which is exactly what we're talking about. Mm. Eliminating self, but you got to understand self. And uh and the proof is in the pudding again. It's it's actually producing great, faithful results. And the people that you've worked with and I've worked with, we can see they're understanding self and they're transmitting that to other people. But I think in large part, the fellowships in general, they go on blind without really ever focusing in on self. And part of the reflection of that, I guess, would be three-topic discussion meetings that never have steps on the wall anyway. you What are your take on all that
1: shit yeah i mean it's not really promoted you know in the rooms which is where a lot of these people are centered and have been centered for you know maybe even a decade coming in and out relapsing coming in and out and like maybe they're able to you know arrest the substance but then self takes over you know and i on this podcast we've chatted about it and uh um, obviously one-on-one we've chatted about it a lot that, you know, w- when the substance is, is gone without a solution, it's like, you know, an overcompensation on the the defects and an overcompensation on self. Um, and it is, you know, it is reported a lot in the book when it, ch- like in the book and also in other literature, when it talks about these motives, motives and intentions, right? Where, you know, the intention is always good for the most part, because the alcoholic has to sell the alcoholic on the idea, which isn't a hard sell, but what's hard about the sell is he has to sell somebody else. So first he has to really craft it for himself, right? Where the motives could be crooked. And most, most of the time they are, you know, the intention has to be sold as in, you know, a good, a fundamental good act, you know, where this woman's a newcomer and, you know, I got a, you know, my motive is one thing and one thing only, but, you know, I'm trying to help her. I'm trying to be a white knight, these types of things. And that's what he'll tell himself and you, right? When we both know that, you know, in reality, this individual he has nothing in common with, right? I mean, he's light years away as far as a program is concerned and in, in most respects and growth and that type of stuff. Yet God, you know, put her right in the path. I mean, it is all pride, right? As, as we chatted about before to justify the accesses. The intention is predominantly pride right where the motive is is you know altruism or selflessness or whatever the motive is pride justifying the accesses and so because it's not largely promoted it's not largely understood Mm -hmm. like the thing that i the thing that really makes me laugh though was like us as a society a lot of people don't understand what the problem is, what, what the first problem is, right? So we talk about the substance bottom itself. A lot of people don't understand, like, you know how many people have told me, and I'll ask every guy I've ever worked with, what is the, let's say, the doctor's opinion? That's obviously where I start. What is the doctor's opinion about? And without exception, they are under the impression that that chapter sums up the alcoholic condition as a whole without exception they always say that every single one of them there's never been one that has said no this is actually only about the allergy of the body which is not the main issue of the alcoholic now mind you these guys are working with me because they don't know right but how do they know that much what makes them think that this one chapter although there's another two chapters What makes them think that this one chapter sums up the alcoholic condition? And that's the rooms. That's the opinions and the theories that you, so you got to think about the main problem because and like, I'm going to call it the first problem. And in many cases, the program and the fellowship are only based on that one problem. So let's just say that this is the only problem, for example, right? Because as far as the rooms are and fellowships concerned, this is the only problem. They don't even fucking know what the problem is, like these these third tradition meetings that we chat about. That's only based in on the substance. They don't even know what the fucking problem is. They don't know about you know the mental blank spot, what people call the 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 obsession of the mind. And to be honest with you, that book doesn't talk about the obsession of the mind fucking anywhere. It explains the insanity in one of three ways, which is a plausible excuse, an insane trivial. Uh, excuse or a fucking mental blank spot. Where the fuck did uh, mental obsession come from? Right? So even when it comes to the problem is wildly misunderstood uh, of the substance, let alone the deeper problem, the lifelong problem, which is self and the defective character. We both know the book talks about self more than it talks about like, the book and the literature combined, if you put all of it together, so let's say we do the, the big book and the 12 by 12. Um, you have three chapters of in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and two chapters in regards to the substance. So let's say substance gets five chapters. How many chapters does self get? The rest of all the fucking chapters. You know what I mean? Like even Even to the employers, even the family afterwards, Not so much a vision for you, maybe like the last part of it, the starting substance, the last part of it could be geared towards self. But how many chapters, if we put the 12 and 12 and big book together, how many chapters are, uh, you know, geared towards self? Like when it talks about even in the nine, just for an example, it says, you know, like um, we can't um, sacrifice others to spare ourselves from the alcoholic pit. What the fuck are they talking about there? That self, that is me sacrificing the welfare of others and like maybe the admission of this amends, although it'd make me feel good, it'd be at the expense of another individual. What is that? What is that dynamic? That's all self, right? So after we're done uh, more about alcoholism, it's all fucking self. Like in we agnostic, that's all that is. That's all self. These superstition and tradition and all sorts of fixed ideas, this unwarranted pride, all of it, it's all self right but uh, so how is that widely missed right well instincts on rampage bocker investigation the problem is these people are still heavily involved <laughs> in self let's just say they're still tangled with self they're still operating in self right so now all of a sudden you call to attention something that's never even chatted about in the rooms they've rectified the main problem and this is what the room rooms shine a spotlight on is the substance is the main problem and what's, what's even funny and crooked about that is let's say, you know, we are in the program in regards to the drink, right? That's what this whole fellowship's based around. And it's wildly understood that you, if you were in that fellowship for the drink, there's hard drugs that's not involved, obviously. Uh, what about marijuana that's now legal in Canada, right? So that's, you know, we'll do a slip on that. We'll do a slip on gambling and we'll do a slip on fucking newcomers and hookers. So even regards as, even, even as far as, Uh, substances are concerned in the room, there's still substances that can be fucking used, dude, let alone self, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm highlighting all this because, you know, if a room doesn't understand what the real problem is and if there's multiple other substances that are acceptable, you might even get a pat on the back for other fucking, for some, some of those substances, like maybe not newcomers, but grabbing women outside the rooms and that type of stuff. Right, so if we don't know the problem and other substances are okay, we're still really caught up in that, and that's why instincts on rampage block investigation. That's why a lot of rooms uh, won't even accept the conversation of, you know, you go to a room, you chat. It, let's say it is step six, and you do chat about that. You lay the chips out on the table. How many people in that room are gonna go along with your conversation, Almost or none? Are they, they gonna negate it completely? well, for a
0: guy like me to walk into a room and talk on a step six topic or a step 10 topic, um, no one, they're listening because they're shocked at what I'm saying, but because I stick out like a sore thumb, they don't really believe what I'm saying because the consensus is something totally different. Um, But I think what's more important is the consistency and the persistency of which we carry the actual truth and the message of the big book of self because that is the fucking real issue here. Mm. And I know at my home group, my uh, one home group, we would have numerous meetings a week. We had like a noon meeting, a fiverr, and an 8.30 meeting every single day. And then on the weekends, we had an extra meeting per day. And out of all those meetings, there's only one meeting, which was the Fiverr, where we would have a step and we would talk about. So two-thirds of our meetings had no steps and nothing about the big book. So basically, all we're doing is promoting opinion and theories based in self. Yeah and we wonder why fucking people aren't staying sober Mm. and then we just tell them keep coming back keep coming back and really the people that are even saying keep coming back and going to talk to the newcomer in my opinion most of them really don't give a fuck about the newcomer yeah (laughs) it's kind of like a show and shine in the room while everyone's watching show and shine yeah (laughs) but don't don't call me later when i'm at home watching the hockey game Because I really can't help you. But I can give you someone's number who can. No many times I've gotten a call from. Oh this guy gave me your number. Because he said he was too busy. And you could probably help me. And I'm just thinking. Yeah of course they're too busy. Because they're too busy. Because they fucking don't want to fucking do. What we're supposed to do here. And they just get on with this business. Of being self satisfied. But Yeah it's really frustrating. Um, But. You know, back to my home group, I had actually proposed that every single meeting in that home group always had a step there. know what happened?
1: You got casted out.
0: Fucking uproar, dude. Fucking all the old timers and all the people that are members of the group. No one ever showed up to business meetings. But then after I proposed every single meeting should have a step. Fucking the room was full, dude. Of people fucking combating this.
1: Like, what are they saying? Like, what are they...
0: I don't know, because what happened, it was that COVID last year, right when COVID kicked off. So then it all just kind of... Dispersed. Dispersed and sizzled away. And then I never really pursued it from there. That's
1: That's crazy, eh? Like, what is the justification for that? I, I couldn't even fathom what the justification... Is for not having a step. I guess maybe just because the group's been around for X and yeah. X amount of decades that this the would screw change. with. Yeah, that type of idea. Like, we've been doing it this way and it's yeah. been successful type of ideas. But has as, it been successful? Well, like, as far as they're concerned, they're sober, right? Yeah, they're sober. So but, off but the What meeting. about
0: the 1% success rate of the fucking group in general?
1: <laughs> oh, 100%, dude. I hear you. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I get that. I get that 100%. But like I said, I mean, these people are still operating in in the instincts, right? Mm -hmm. And they're still operating in self. And like you say, you can't see self with self, right? So that's that's what we're talking about. That's the trouble. You know, the trouble is like me and, you know, me and Bill have been in, you know, many situations like this. Like I remember um, I was actually talking to a sponsee not too long ago. And we're talking about chair people. Me and you have had this discussion many a time. You know, you pick somebody who's strong to open. You pick somebody strong to close. And then you have the ability to play around. You should have the ability to to understand who is good at sharing, who is not good at sharing. You know, there's a lot of, like, if you are to rate people, you know, 1 out of 10, what they are, like, how how good they are to share. Ideally, you want to open up with a 7 to 10. Just because a guy's good at sharing does not mean that he's a good opener and a good closer. There are specific people who are good at opening meetings and there are specific people that are good at closing pe- meetings. And throughout the meetings you're looking at, you could get away with a couple of fours, like one, but you want to vary it from like a, you want to vary it to like maybe five, six, sixes, sevens throughout the meeting and then having a you know an opener, a seven or, to a 10 and then closer, you know is again, a seven to a 10. And so we're kind of chatting about the dynamics of sharing then, right? And I'm talking about how, you know, it's not very often that you're put into a situation where, you know, you'll have to almost defend what one of the members is talking about, right? So if this member is in a a God-centered room, then it's all individual shares. But if this individual is in a sick room, you know, there's actually some good opportunities to defend what's being shared by one of the shares. And so me and you did this often in Saskatchewan, but you could also do it here in this city. If you're going to, you know, meetings that are less than desirable and there's another God centered member in the room, as far as I'm concerned, if there's another God centered member in the room and you know that this guy is going to be walking into a wood chipper, it's your obligation to defend what this man sang. Odds are he sang it right from the book. And so your obligation, if he is to share before you, and likewise, your obligation is to defend this man and what he's saying. If he's speaking of the process, if he's speaking of the twelve steps, if he's speaking of his own, uh, you know, higher power—not so much uniqueness, but the practicality standpoint of a higher power—then your your obligation is to defend him and not go your own individual way and leave him out to fucking dry. Because I've seen that multiple times, eh? I've seen that, like we're in the wood chipper meeting. So I'm not consistent myself. I go to this, you know, low energy meeting where these people need help and I share all my shit, let's say. But then I go to a high energy meeting and I share, you know, the the solution. It's I got to bring the high energy meeting to these other meetings, these other low energy, low recovery meetings. That's why I'm there in the first place, right? I'm not there to share my shit and make that meeting worse. And then go to a good meeting and then share some sort of solution. I got, and I, I can't tell you how many guys do that. How many guys that I know that are actually, you know, maybe a couple years. That they're like, you know, they take advantage of the room almost. Right? They'll go to these midnight meters and talk about, you know, I'm going to fucking blow my brains out and all this other stuff. And then they go to a high energy meeting and bring that high energy. It's so fucking funny to me, dude. And they're like, Jess, how, you know, I'm not getting sponsees. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you're not getting sponsees because you hold no consistency. You're not the same man in every room that you go to. And because of that, this person's like, fuck, you know, this guy's blowing his brains out one minute. And he's like, you know, God's gift to this fellowship, the next type of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: So as we go to these, uh, or whoever goes to these low energy meetings where, you know, we're talking a lot about the problem not a ton of solution a lot of people kind of validating the bullshit and then you know a guy like you know working a really good program walks in there and starts spitting out the solution whether that be like god or the 12 steps or this step or that step and and how the steps have actually changed their life maybe we're talking about defects of character maybe we're talking about self maybe we're talking about whatever when a man walks in there by himself and does this, he often walks out of there alone. Not getting talked to, not getting approached and saying, hey, great, great share because now you've kinda pissed everyone off in the room because you are talking about stuff that they don't really wanna talk about, back to instincts on a uh, balk at investigation. Or maybe they just have never heard The solution, really. Um, And we can, like you mentioned, Saskatchewan, and that was our experience all through, you know, a couple of these towns and cities where it was fucking ridiculous. And that is the ridiculousness of some of these rooms. That is their program. Mm. And that's all it is. And, you know, it's, you know. I guess here nor there, it is sad to me. Um, I would like to put a posse together and just, you know, hopefully we had enough money and we just go around Saskatchewan and wherever, maybe Manitoba and even Alberta and just go to meeting after meeting after meeting and just spend the night in hotels and go to two or three meetings a day in these towns and uh, just go share as like five of us, you know in a meeting, but I've also been to meetings where I go to and maybe they've asked me to share it and then realized I'm never asking that guy to share. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for and sure. And yeah. I go back there and then I get ghosted. <laughs> right? But that teaches me a lot about humility and, and, but it's, it's pretty funny because now the room is not being chaired in a group, God conscious manner. It's being chaired in a prideful, um, resentful manner. Mm. Because, you know, I kind of stir up a
1: pot, and they don't want me to share again. I mean, like that is definitely very easy to do. Like you do a Northern Alberta and you could do all this in the weekend, right? You could figure all this out on the weekend. Like you could easily, you know, set up your, your Friday where you're making a Northern Alberta. You're, you could potentially make it all the way to Manitoba, right? So that'd be Saskatchewan. So you got Northern Alberta, you got Saskatchewan. You got uh, Manitoba, you could do BC. So that'll be like minus Ontario, your prairie provinces and Quebec. But you could hit a good amount of provinces and you could do, you know, majority of these drives. Like a Manitoba might have to be an all day Friday. And then you could hit all meetings Saturday, potentially a morning meeting on um, Sunday. I'd like to stay in a place like Regina for like a week, five days. And then just have a whole bunch of guys. See, because like they might recognize you or myself, but they're not going to recognize these other, <laughs> these other guys. So you could bait and switch them and you don't come in at the same time. They see confuse them a little yeah. bit or you pull the rug out from under them. Or we take six guys and split off into different meetings.
0: Yeah. Three here, three there. And then we kind of cycle over the five days and yeah.
1: just kind of yeah.
0: drop some bombs.
1: Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's very tricky in that respect. Like when you're doing this you know and in some in some cases, you are like the only candlelight of of sanity in that room, right, and so of course, with a man who is consistent, like I don't go to these low energy meetings um you know to feel better than these meetings or anything like that. it is of the soul it is of the sole intention of helping it is of the sole motive of helping, right because honestly i'm not we both know I'm not getting anything out of this room like from a you know intellectual big book. Oh, I never thought of it that way. That's not going to happen from these rooms. One thing I always hear about these rooms that make really makes me laugh too, is that, you know, there's one specific meeting in this city that, and, and people will use this excuse for going to this, this specific meeting, uh, a lot, although I've heard it for other meetings, but this specific meeting, people say that it's real and that it's raw. Right? It's real and it's raw, and that's why I go there. And it's not it's not real, nor is it fucking raw. Majority of it is just real and raw nonsense. Maybe that's what it is. Right? So when these people say that, I'm like, okay, you like nonsense. You like your nonsense real and raw. Because when I go to these other, when I go to these other like more high um high sobriety High volume, and mind you, there are meetings that try and be like a, a high volume and try and be pumped for this, and it's just as fake, if not more fake, than the real and the raw. And I understand where these people are coming from. Or you could run into these big, these bigger meetings that are more like a uh, show and shine, like you talked about. I haven't said that or nor I have I heard that in a while. I fuck, I used to love that. Right? There's meetings that you could go into that are very high volume, that the conversations and, and what these people are saying up at the front of the podium is more real than you'll hear in any other meeting. Right, It seems to be more real, minus the show and shine meetings, because I understand what those people are talking about. It's like a wholesale condemnation where they've gone to a show and shine meeting where even I know that it's fake. Where like people are like barely hanging on by a thread, but they're... It's almost like act as if that whole idea of, you know, fake it till you make it or whatever the fuck is kind of, that's the whole meeting. That's the premise of the meeting, right? So you could run into these meetings that are truly God-centered. You feel the power right away. Those aren't the meetings that necessarily need my help, but I will go there and add to it, right? It's a mixture of those meetings that fill my cup, that I am around people who are doing the deal much like I am. Right. And then I'm able to fill, bring that full cup to, you know, other meetings that are low energy. I like to call it blow your, blow your brains out, Alcoholics Anonymous type of idea. Right. And then I'm able to carry some sort of a message in there. And my, my whole purpose of going to that meeting is to bring to it's not, not definitely not to take from it. But also, I could have an adverse, you know, like I could have the opposite effect of what I wanted. I, I'm now, all of a sudden, I'm combating the meeting. Because I can't even handle the fucking nonsense. I can't handle the, non- the raw nonsense, right? The raw and real nonsense that these people are spouting out, which is kind of what we were chatting about before we hit on the. So
0: then you combat
1: the meeting? Yeah, oh yeah, dude. I'll turn right on the meeting. I'll pull out the big book and like I'm fucking, you know, almost soapbox, right? Yeah. This is like heavily early recovery. Of course, I used to do this like a spiritual pride naturally. I think that's a natural progression of the process. Um, And then you start to level out and you start to understand what humility is and you stop combating people and giving you their opinions, although it's from the big book. And I believe that, you know, in some respects, the motive is to do good. Like the intention is to do good, but the real motive is to actually castrate these people, right? That's really what you're trying to do. And it's like an overcompensation of you hear nonsense all over the place. And it feels as if you're, you're sinking in quicksand. You feel like you're the only guy, you know, with a solution here. this is why it's important to go to these meetings that fill your cup, knowing that you're not the only individual doing this by the time you go out and and you hit these maybe lesser than meetings, right?
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I've been to some meetings where, you know, again, like we chatted earlier, some of these people are like, well, I played the tape forward. And they're in the meeting sharing, I play the tape forward. And somebody plays off of that and say, yeah, play the tape forward. And, uh, you know, just kind of giving you so much exact opposite of what the book is saying. Mm. You know, I got to remember, you know, I got a family at home and that that's, that's what keeps me sober. And I come here and you guys keep me sober. Mm. This is human power, right? You know, my sponsor keeps me sober or I don't have a sponsor even. (laughs) Like, there's just so much shit that I hear, and I'm kind of sitting there going, What the fuck are we actually talking about? So, as I hear all of these things, and I'm going to use an example that happened last night. I was talking to this individual on the phone, and they keep saying, I played the tape forward, and, you know, I've been sponsored by like 20 different people, and, you know, I don't think that ultimatums work as a sponsor to a sponsee, and, Um, This person's just given me everything and all their opinion. Meanwhile, they relapsed like yesterday and they relapsed like a week ago and they relapsed like a week before that. And like, I've known this individual for like five years and they've relapsed like for five years and they're telling me what works and what doesn't. (laughs) And I just said, I said, what the fuck do you know? What the fuck do you actually know? And then I could feel my voice rise and I could feel like my heart rate rise. And I'm like, you don't know fucking anything about anything other than how to get fucking high. <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what, fucking ultimatums do work. And I said, I do sponsor with ultimatums. And I tell them, this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to go. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to fucking work with me. But like you talked about earlier, these people are willing. And it's not like I'm like whipping them and saying this is how it's going to be. Like they're agreeing because they know that if they fucking run their life and they run the show, they're as good as fucking drunk. Mm. So it's like it's like a, it's a relationship that fucking works with some of the
1: ultimatums.
0: And a lot of these ultimatums are actually in the nine. They're in the disciplines. They're in the timeline it takes to do the work. They're in the number of meetings that the individual has to go to. Um, the phone calls to me as a sponsor based on whatever they're struggling with in their life. Like these ultimatums I think are fucking hugely important. And I'm listening to a chronic or telling me how it's fucking stupid and it's not important. But it just, you know, fucking some of the nonsense that I hear. And you've heard of Chris R., the uh, speaker? Mm-hmm. Have you listened to him much?
1: A little bit here and there. I'm not Captain Speakers like my first early recovery. I listened to a lot of them, and then I completely negated all Speakers. Give Chris Arrely listen, dude. Yeah, it was good.
0: He is so abrasive and direct, and uh, probably doesn't win a lot of friends. Mm. But he's the kind of guy that's going to go into a, a a roundup where there's a few hundred people. And he's going to rip him a new asshole. And he does it in a not friendly way. Mm-hmm. But he talks the truth about the book. He talks the truth about sponsorship. He talks the truth about God. And when I first heard him years ago, I was like, holy shit, bud. Mm-hmm. But I kept listening to him. And I he actually helped change my perspective on what I say in the meeting. I was listening to him a lot when I was going to Regina years ago. And he would say, don't ever waver on the talk of God because God is what's gotten you sober and kept you sober. Don't waver on talking about the steps in the big book. Don't waver on certain things and don't adapt to be the chameleon and just fit in with the room. Mm. Fit in with the big book. And uh, so he was really impactful in my early sobriety, but I still throw him in every now and then, now and then for shits and giggles because he's, he's, he's amped up, bro. He's, he's full of energy and he's, he's pretty cool, man.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of speakers that we listened to early recovery when we we're driving up to uh, Saskatchewan that uh, you still even listen to today, and um, yeah, I mean the thing that I like about these speakers is, you know, you could end up getting interested in the personality of the speaker and some of the uniqueness that maybe they went that they went through. But reality is, is you know, these people I relate to them because I am them. Right, which kind of takes away the uniqueness. Like I'm, I'm working with this one guy, on the on the weekend here, and um, I say this to all my guys, and I've done this probably the last only the last year or two, because I've really caught on to this. That what happens is, is that the twelve steps work, God works through them, their life has changed, like a full one eighty, and that gratitude gets bestowed on me. And then what happens is these guys—I've had guys buy me, you know, items of clothing. I've had guys buy me, give gift cards, all this other shit. And uh, I don't accept it because that's what they want, eh? They want me to accept it, eh? They want that gratitude to to be bestowed on me, and then they and then they pay me off with like a you know a hundred dollar gift card to the Keg or whatever the fuck. And then now their obligation's over, eh? So if I accept it, the transaction is, is that it's over now. No, I've done this for you. And now you've done this for me and we're okay now. But it's like, no, motherfucker. It's like that gratitude that's bestowed on me actually gets, gets pointed to the program of, of whichever. And now that's you work off your gratitude doing what I did for you. Eh? Do you understand what's, you understand what's happening mm-hmm. here? The alcoholic is such a crafty little cocksucker that, of course, had you not known, you would be like, oh, yes, I've done something nice for you. You've done something nice for me. But uh, upon further inspection, that's what's happening is it is a payoff. I think it was Clancy who chatted about this.
0: No way.
1: Yeah, well, he's, he's not so much in this area that I'm talking about. What, what he's specifically talking about is that, you know, if you do pay me, then, you know, I'm under what, like, I have to essentially prostitute my ideas to what you're, to what you want me to do. And this is more like a political type of idea And this is why a lot of this shit hasn't bled into the program, mm-hmm. obviously, because, you know, if we're taking, you know, money from, let's say, Johnson & Johnson or something, then now, of course, we're under the dictates of, you know, a corporation or whichever, right? But on a smaller level, that's what's happening here is that instead of actually doing the full fruition of the work, right? And that gratitude going into this program and going into the individuals and then them doing likewise, they're trying to, you know, essentially fucking on a low level, buy me off type shit. So that the transaction ends here, right? Instead of, you know, continuing the rest of their life.
0: Hmm. Taking that exact premise down the road. So I'm assuming that this type of transaction that the sponsee would want to give you the accolades and possibly a gift for, we're talking this would typically happen in the first eight months or a year?
1: Yeah, typically. I mean, this will be this will be definitely what's the person's 12-stepped once they've gotten the benefits. They have continued something of the work. Maybe they're looking in the sponsorship and yada, yada, and then through through their... Because they do feel gratitude. So how about three years,
0: four years down the road, those guys that have continued to rely on the big book and the program and their own God, but they've also continued to use you as a sponsor and really respect and have gratitude for you. How do you handle like those gifts down the road where they wanna take you and your old lady for dinner or or they wanna invite you over for Christmas and give you a gift or how, how do you roll with that stuff?
1: Yeah, like that's a little bit different, yeah. eh? That's that. That's much different because a relationship's been built by that time. So me going over to their house for dinner and even likewise is much different because they're doing the deal in all aspects, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who's not really, who's on the cusp of doing the deal. Yeah. And in order to negate the deal now, he is trying to buy me off, right? If it's four or five years and, you know, we go out to Kelowna or you know, they buy me a gift for Christmas, completely different, right? Because he's doing the deal. He's not, the the motive behind the gift is, is, you know, an extension of the relationship that's been built, right? It's not to, to negate the process, right? Which you'll find a lot. At least I found that a lot so much so that I've had to nip it in the ass before it even happens, right? Like how many job offers I've gotten from guys. It's so fucking funny because it is because also too, what it is as well is it is a, a dynamic of the relationship. (coughs) Like I've worked with guys throughout the 12 steps that have offered me positions throughout the process to break the sponsor and sponsee dynamic to actually equal out the dynamic Where yes, I have this knowledge in the 12 steps and experience and I've sponsored many men like you and you have no fucking idea what you're talking about and you're asking me to take you through the process. So it is a sponsor, sponsee, it is a mentor, mentee, right? And throughout the process, they'll try and like I've had one guy, dude, I can't tell you how many job offers he's offered me, man. Like, I've, I've taken him through the steps twice now. I took him through the steps five years ago, very a, a long time ago. Like, I was in early early recovery myself and just started sponsoring. By the time I took him through the process, and he offered me positions then, and I didn't understand what I know now, and I, I didn't take them much like I wouldn't take them now. But this guy goes out of his way today <laughs> to offer me positions, and I don't take them because he's trying to equal it out, eh? Where he's like, yes, you know more than me, but I am, you know, let's say I am better equipped in, the, in, this, in this area, so I am going to try and help you. It, I'll be completely honest with you. I bet you if I did call him out on the position, there is no position. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors, most likely. But that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to equal this relationship. A lot of guys can't handle it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover one person, one family, one community at a time.